This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Welcome back, everybody, to the Twilight Show. You have got me, Leanne, until seven thirty. Uh, we're going to be talking all things CLPE, the Centre for Literacy in Primary Education, focusing on picture books. So, not just for the early years, picture books all throughout education. And after that, I will be talking to the hilarious Mrs. Smith. Can't wait to hear what her voice sounds like. If you don't know her, stay on the show. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi everybody, so thank you for joining me tonight. I've already see quite a few people coming into the studio, so welcome. I'd love to know what your names are. Oh, hi Charlotte! Um, just going to introduce the show a little bit, have a chat with everybody, but if you'd like to call in, um, I can bring you into the studio and just leave you there for a few minutes. But welcome. Please let me know what your name is. There's some very strange usernames on the on Podbean. We've got a lot of letters and numbers. Be a good activity for reception. Maybe I should uh, put it up on the board as a morning starter. Can you read the letters and can you read the numbers? And maybe it's a good blending activity. I'm not sure I, even I could say some of your usernames. <laughs> Podbean seems to like lots of letters and lots of numbers. So nobody can copy your username on Podbean. You don't have to worry about that. Um, so, so coming in. I'm going to mute my guest for a few minutes. Please let me know what your name is. I'd love to know what year group you teach. Do you teach a subject? Do you teach lots of different subjects? Are you primary? What year group are you in? Do you move around year groups quite a lot, like myself? I think my leadership teams in the schools that I work at seem to think I like a challenge. I'm not quite sure where they got that from. Uh, I've just moved from year six down to reception or as one of my colleagues said to me today basically you move from year seven because they were in year seven by the end of the year pretty much down to nursery so what a fun way to look at year group moves so please like I said let me know where you're, where you're calling from what kind of school do you work in do you teach primary do you teach high school um, I am most definitely a primary school teacher and I take my hat off to our high school colleagues I'm not sure how you guys do it so welcome to the studio so I've got a great mixture of guests tonight and the first one is Charlotte who is already in the studio listening so hello Charlotte and we'll bring her in in a few minutes um Charlotte is learning and program director for CLPE which as I said earlier is the center for literacy in primary education and I came across Charlotte on an amazing CPD that happened a couple of weeks ago and it was set up by one of my favorite hidden gem of a museum in uh, London in Russell Square it's called the Foundling Museum I chatted about it a little bit on one of my past shows um, and I put together a CPD event all about children and education and Charlotte spoke about the power of pictures and a program that she put together about the power of picture books so I can't wait to talk about that um, and I think it's a really lovely topic and a really great way to get children talking in schools um, and picture books even for the older years not so scary for some children that are not such fans of reading so that'll be a really interesting one to get into um, normally I would give you a little bit of a bio about all the guests that I'm speaking to but unfortunately and if you saw my posts on Twitter or even maybe on Facebook or Instagram you will know that my second guest is Mrs. Smith. 
Um, anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about, maybe give me a bit of a wave in the chat. I uh, would love to know if you're a fan of Mrs. Smith. Maybe you've come to hear her speak, or hopefully you've come to hear both of us speak. Um, so Mrs. Smith is on Facebook, and if you know who she is, you will know that she is hilarious, and she posts anonymously. But all her comments are about things that are going on in school and putting a, a comedic twist on it, and it just makes you laugh at the end of the day. So I have her on the show a little bit later, and hopefully we can all have a little bit of a laugh. It is Thursday night, guys. We've always made it to the weekend. Hopefully you've got a little bit of a, a drink with you. I have my water. Get me through the show. And hopefully, yeah, we're going to talk about picture books. We're going to talk about picture books in all the year groups and how we can become readers of pictures as well as just the text that we look at. So I think it'll be a really lovely show. And once again, thank you for joining me in the studio. So if I can just go back to my first guest, so Charlotte. Um, so Power of Pictures, it basically is, is what it says it is. And it is all about the impact that visual literacy and illustration can have on children's reading and writing and I know that when I was in year six we did a book called Rose Blanche and it's just mostly the inferencing and the richness is not in the text it's not in the writing and the majority of space on the page is given to the illustrations and I just think you can do so much amazing comprehension work by looking at pictures and by questioning pictures and so Rose Blanche is a book that does that really brilliantly. I'm not sure if you're listening in the studio. Do you have any picture books that you have used where it doesn't scare the children so much because I can ask questions and we can just answer those questions by, by analysing the, the imagery and why have specific pictures and why have specific colours been chosen um, and all about colour theory we got into that when we did Rose Blanche and why is the little girl in red and then why is the majority of the page beige so I think there's so much comprehension that can be done with just images and that's really important in school um, we'll also be having maybe a little bit of chat about the balance because I know for as a primary school teacher that the curriculum is very heavy on evidence in books and we also at the moment especially in reception which is where I am now the focus is on language and giving children as much amazing language to use as possible so that they can use it in their writing and in their spoken words so I'm wondering what the balance is perhaps between vocab rich texts and then I'm not sure if this is the right way to coin it but image rich texts um, which as I said before I think can lead to excellent comprehension work and also I've spoken about this before that um, I really believe and I've believed it for a long time that reading is not just a skill that we should be promoting in an English lesson um, and I know for primary it's possibly a bit easier because we are with the same class the whole time but how does it work in high school? Is, are you able to promote reading throughout the curriculum? And I know definitely that if children have excellent comprehension skills, they also do really well in the maths curriculum because maths in and of itself, especially in our reasoning and our problem solving, which has become a really important part of the maths curriculum, you need to be able to understand what the question is asking you. And I know for myself as well that maths was never my strong suit still probably isn't my strong suit. English is definitely more of a strong suit for me. I get very excited when I find a really lovely text that I can do comprehension around and that I can inspire children with. So comprehension really and reading should be a skill that we promote throughout all of our subjects. Um, and I think that giving a, a year six or a year five child a picture book, so I say like, like Rose Blanche, 
um, and say we're going to explore this book and we're going to look at it for a couple of weeks um, and I think it's possibly not as scary as providing them with um, what well, we did cock art is a very thick book and I think to provide a child with a really thick book full of text when they're not so keen on reading and they possibly and quite sadly they possibly Hi, hello, Melanie. Mel's one of my previous guests. She is a PE teacher extraordinaire. So uh, we've got a PE teacher in the room. If you've got any questions for her, I'm sure she'll answer them. She's my PE hotline, um, <laughs> especially in reception. So um, yeah, I think it's really important. And just to take a phrase away from Charlotte, when I was listening to the CPD and the PowerPoint that she went through, and it just really struck me. And it uh, talks about pictures and picture books being a really important part of the meaning making process. And my my children don't know this, but and actually it wasn't linked to the show. I just thought, oh, that would be a great idea. In my classroom today, we have um, picture cards. So there's lots of different ones, but they make a story and you need three picture cards to make a story. And I inadvertently tripped a little bit on the carpet and all the cards fell out onto the floor. And I thought, oh, you know, what am I going to do? And all the children came rushing over and I said, oh my gosh, look, we need three picture cards to make a story. Can you find picture cards and put them together to make a story? And so it's reception. We've only just started our phonics. They, they can blend, they're starting to blend, but they can't read a story. But that doesn't mean they can't make meaning of a story. And I think making meaning is so important. And even when we send books home, you know, we don't just want children to read them. We want children to understand them. We want children to ask questions about the stories. So it really struck a chord with me that it's a very important part of the meaning making process and I've never really thought about that as a process before so um, I think it's really important and it also goes on to mention that reading pictures is just as complex perhaps more complex than reading print and absolutely because in print and in comprehensions we do a lot of retrieval work in which case if you can read the text you can most probably do the retrieval work if I'm just trying to find a sentence or a word in a sentence but if I'm looking at a picture that brings in so many more analytical skills and comprehension skills and we can question a picture maybe even more so that we can question a text or question some words so um yeah i think it can be even more important to question images and also i think that if you're questioning an image there's possibly less chance of maybe getting a wrong answer i'm not sure what charlotte thinks i'm sure she will discuss that with me a little later on in the show so really lovely and I cannot wait to discuss picture books and also to get our guest on a little bit later Mrs Smith so it also I think so much more enjoyable like I said and I really believe this when you're not scared of a text and you're not scared to pick up a book um, and I know in my year six classroom I had a mixture of books I had picture books I had non-fiction books I had fiction books and we know that just as children learn differently children are inspired by different types of texts and um, by giving meaning to different types of texts so I think it's really important that we get more picture books into our classrooms and we see the value in it as teachers so I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about picture books and about how we can get the value out of picture books and also bringing it back to my guest last week and I really think this is an important point and I've seen it so clearly going from year six to reception and also my other jump which was year one to year six is that it's not just about the product it's about the process and 
to look at a picture book it's not just to pick up a book and read the words it's a process and it's looking at the pictures what thinking what do they mean what can I comprehend what are these pictures trying to tell me that possibly words couldn't so I think that's a really important point to bring back from my last week's show um not just about the process it is about the product and also it's work without the pressure of thinking oh, I've got a whole page of reading to do so I really loved working with picture books in year six and I think it's something we should do in every year group in all of education so I can't wait to go on to that so I'm just gonna pop off for a little ad break and then I'm going to bring my first guest into the studio so I will be back into the studio in a few minutes stay on the line can't wait to hear about it maybe you can jot down your favorite picture books in the chat I would love to hear from you love to get some suggestions of what has worked in your classroom because this is teachers talk radio so please teachers talk to me and I will talk to you okay need support with your phonics teaching did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Well, hello everybody and welcome back into the studio. I'm just going to see if I can let Charlotte in. Hi Charlotte, can you hear me? I can hear you, thank you. Amazing, very clear, lovely. I had tech issues last week, so we're doing really well so far. Um, so thank you for coming into the show. It's so nice to have you here. I just, I really loved your presentation. Um, so I kind of wanted to get a chance for myself to chat to you. Being a bit selfish, I guess. Because um, <laughs> last time I was a, a viewer and a listener and this time I get to kind of... Uh, ask the questions a little bit so I know I introduced you a little bit but would you maybe kind of let us know how you got to where you are in your position now I know you're very passionate about early years and early reading and I guess starting children off on the right foot absolutely um so uh, I've been at CLPE for the last eight years I'm the learning and programs director there uh, responsible for all of our teaching programs but before that uh, I was a teacher I started off as a primary teacher and I was an assistant head as well 
Um, I've taught across the age range, but the two things that I was most passionate about as a teacher in terms of being a teacher of English um, were early reading and then phonic, uh, and then sorry, picture books and poetry and mm -hmm. books and poetry, particularly for me, because they are the two genres of literature that I have seen transform uh, even the most reluctant readers and writers and give life to those children who have traditionally been marked down as those that don't really engage with literacy or maybe the lower attainers I'm saying that in quote marks uh, in your literacy lessons yeah absolutely I think that I guess like I said before reluctant readers is probably that key one when it comes to picture books and do, do you find that it's it's not as scary for even like a 10 year 11 year old to pick up a picture book as it would be for them to pick up like those thick texts that we seem to do in five year five and six Absolutely. And it's also changing the perception of picture books that they're not yes. those easy readers as well. We've got a real bottleneck, uh, I think, in our education system in many facets. And it, it's not teacher's fault. Um, it comes from the kinds of things that you see given out. I don't know if anyone, uh, I don't know if Juliana, I know you were uh, up in Upper Key Stage 2, but I don't know if you watched any of the videos that came out uh, when the new assessment framework came out of what reading at the expected level looks like in year six. Um, there were five novels and one... Mm short stories there there were no picture books there were no poetry what's that saying about those as a genre of reading yeah well, so what's it saying about what reading at the expected level means if I'm yeah. a reader at the expected level I would expect to be able to read a range and breadth of literature especially now in a really visual society mm. where making meaning from images is just as important as reading print yeah, and it almost helps, we're like helping children along to get those negative mindsets of themselves when it comes to reading. Absolutely. When we did the research project, The Power of Pictures, which I'll mm. talk more about as we chat, mm. um, we asked the children who were involved, they were all year five children, and we asked them at the beginning what their perceptions of picture books were. Um, and we got things like, oh, they're for babies, they help yeah. people who can't read the words. Um, most dramatically, we got comments like they're for people who are disabled or people <gasps> who don't know English. So there is a real negative perception around picture books. And what we did find when we did the work with the kids was that it was the more the killed children who would have been perceived as more able who found it much more of a struggle to talk mm. about images and needed much more work on their visual literacy skills absolutely I have to say actually because I think analysis is not something that comes along always with reading especially when you're just looking at text and and I had a child that you know, wasn't so strong at the, the key subjects, the math and the English, which seems to be what we focus on a lot, in, unfortunately, in year six. But when it came to subjects like RE and where we were doing analytical work, he, like, he would just shine and come out with the most amazing things. Absolutely. Uh, and the books like, that we chose as part of the project were those books that are kind of like the rich picture books, the ones that kind of don't yield up their secrets too easily, if you want to say it that way, that you can have those kinds of opportunities to discuss, to make meaning together. As you were saying earlier, meaning making is a really important part of that. Mm. But where the, the, the story that is told in the pictures not only complements mm. the text, but it goes above and beyond it. So you can have a level of richness of discussion where kids can put their own inferences mm -hmm. within the story as well and their own assumptions based on what they can see in the images as well as what they're hearing in the text um, and come to a much greater sense of meaning of the story and a much more enriched sense of meaning of the story. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also 
probably gives them more of an open space to then be inspired by it and to, to carry on. I was speaking with a friend of mine about being engaged and being inspired. And I think engaged is possibly in the moment of the story mm-hmm. and, and inspired is being able to go off for a couple of days and kind of have it on your mind a little bit. And I guess when it comes to discussion as opposed to writing tasks, I think discussions can stay with you a little bit longer. Absolutely. And you, as, as a teacher, it's kind of that thing about opening up the discussions, facilitating the discussion, mm. through providing the right stimulus. And the illustration is a perfect point to that because you don't really have to do any pre-teaching of vocabulary. You don't have to make sure mm. everyone can access it as a text. If an image is there, everyone brings something to the table. Everyone has something to say the minute you put that image down. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of step away as the teacher and do all of that brilliant assessment for learning of listening to what they're bringing to the table. What does it tell you about their prior experience, their knowledge of other books, their knowledge of real life experience um, and the connections that they can make between those and the story. Yeah and I know we did our kind of first generic lesson when we always started a new book was to look at the front cover and to make inferences from that Um, and then it was like and then write down what you think might happen and write down any links to other books and I think like I said before like the, the writing stumps them sometimes, whereas discussion doesn't stump you so much, even as adults, I think. And, um, and I think the other thing is that once they see a word on the page and once yeah. they start mm. reading the words, they think there's a right or wrong answer to it. Yes, yes. With picture, there's a lot more space for tentativeness, for possibilities, for mm. putting our own spin on the thinking as well. Yeah, I love that, that sense of possibility. And I guess, that is that, do you find that's the nice link then between like the power of pictures and the power of poetry? Because I think poetry, I remember it from high school. I, I loved English in high school. And I remember just how, like there being a lot of possibility in interpretation of a poem. That's why I love poetry alongside picture yeah. books. Because uh, again, the, the same prejudices, I think, um, come with picture books and poetry that because there's less words on the page, it's somehow easier for children to read. Yeah. And it's not like that at all. It's in those white spaces, in the breaks between the mm. verses, in the parity of the words that you get to do the hard work of reading you get to do that weight of inference of deduction of making connections of empathizing which are all of the really high level literacy skills that we want children to have by the end of year six mm-hmm. yeah so, absolutely yeah, far from being the easy option it's actually much more of a challenge yeah absolutely and I think so I don't know if you've heard of it but we did I did the lost words with my children oh yeah um and so much of that book is not even about the words it's about like the size of the book the layout of the book uh, I can't remember the word in poetry oh, my the word has gone yeah. from my brain but when you look at sorry the acrostic verses they use the cross but also the layout of the poem and just how it looks and like yeah. not even looking at the words we began by actually just looking at why were some poems only three lines long whereas mm-hmm. say like the kingfisher poem is like a whole page and yes it's a longer word than perhaps something like ivy but there's a reason why it's long and it's like the majesticness of the bird and you can talk about what poetry looks like without even needing to read it and i think what's so lovely about that particular book as well is the investment that's been made in the illustration and in yes. morris's illustrations yeah you've what you've got in any high quality picture book you've got a level of illustration that takes you far beyond the rich words in the poems as well um and the publication was just you know, 
spell out beautiful the gold leaf that they use mm. you know, that sense of grandeur with the kingfisher you know where they've got mm. a touch of gold leaf brings that kind of level of this is a really special book and a really special uh subject and and theme to write about yeah, I'm not sure if anybody in the studio has heard of it. So The Lost Words uh, was an anthology that was put together based on words in nature that have disappeared from children's language. And it's just the most fabulous book. It's enormous. Um, and like we were saying, the enormity of the book, there's, there's a reason for that. And I think we can explain to, to children that, you know, there's always reason. I always say to them, there's always a reason for the things I'm asking you to do. And then again, there's a reason for the way authors display books. Um, and I think that probably leads into life as well. Those are life skills as well. When you're looking at something out in, in life and in the real world, there's a reason and to, to be more analytical of the things we're looking at. Absolutely. I think if we've got any key stage two or key stage three readers in the audience, one of the key drivers we want to get them to is authorial intent. And what we yes. need to understand in picture books is there's also illustrator intent. Yeah. The illustrator makes is for a reason. Mm -hmm. They're imbuing meaning in every decision they make about color, about layout, uh, about perspective, about scale, about how they present characters to us with facial expression and props they use. Everything is a layer of meaning. And what we need to understand is that we need to be tuning children in to be meaning conscious every time they look at images in that way. Yeah, no, definitely. Can I ask just to backtrack a bit? I guess, I mean, everyone has a, I think each, especially in primary, I would imagine teachers have a passion for a certain subject. Mine is history. I'm still waiting to be history coordinator. Hasn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> someday soon, I'm hoping. But where does your passion for that early reading come from? Uh, my passion has come from it from picture books, probably my earliest um, and poetry, actually my earliest experiences of reading. If, if I had to talk about the books that made me a reader, mm. uh, it would be Pat Hutchins as an author. Um, I loved particularly Goodnight Owl, um, as well as, of course, Rosie's Walk, which everyone will probably know. But I was obsessed with her illustration style. And I used to have those old scrapbooks that you used to be able to buy in Woolworths. And I just used to try and copy uh. her illustration style all the time. Um, and then I loved poetry. I loved performing poetry. I was at a school where um, we used to have a poetry performing competition. Um, and I got I remember getting a distinction in a poetry performing competition. Uh. So it, it was the direct impact of those texts on me as a reader. Um, mm. I, I came from a family, I'm the last of four children and none of, none of my brothers or sisters went to university. I'm the first in my family to go to university. And my dad was like, one of my kids will read, one of them will <laughs> go to university. And so books were more in my house, but that was the thing that really switched me on to reading, the power of those illustrations and the, the rhythms, the patterns, the language, the musicality really of the poetry. Um, mm. And I think that that's imbued in the language of pictures books as well yeah it's interesting you say like the musicality of the pictures I think is that what you said yeah um, both the words and the pictures in yes and picture books and we were doing art in year six last year and I was talking about um what movement can you see in the pictures and one of the children did not know what I was talking about like but it's a static picture how can there mm -hmm. be movement in it um, and it, I kind of think that's like the magic of illustration actually like the magic of a book a lot of the time comes from the illustration and yeah. I, I was almost a bit sad that she couldn't see that the magic and that yes it's static but it's still showing us movement 
Yeah, and I think some of the thing um, it, about that, reflecting on the experiences of the teachers that we had in the Power of Pictures project, was knowing that it's okay to spend time on reading the illustration. And when I say spend time, you know, you might spend one whole English lesson just looking at one spread and really looking at the, the messages that are in it, the movement, the journey, like you say, uh, the scale, the perspective, the composition, the lines, the patterns, the interaction between the words and the pictures. It it's it's giving that language to the children it's modeling and demonstrating that so that then they can go and they've got skills to go and do it for themselves afterwards I guess that leads on to my next question which is how do you find then the balance between uh, the vocab richness and the imagery richness like how do you balance the two of them um, well, I would say that like with poetry, picture books are a fantastic way of teaching language, vocabulary and grammar um, because the illustrations are an extra way of imbuing that language and vocabulary in the children. They'll get the words, vocabulary from the pictures above and beyond the words that are on the page. But if you look at the best picture books, um, you'll see the language and vocabulary is right for that, ripe, sorry, for that kind of looking at and thinking about. I don't know if you know Nicola Davies, The Promise. Do you know that one? Uh, I have, it does sound familiar, but uh, so that that starts with the lines. When I was young, I lived in a city that was mean and hard and ugly. Now, if we saw that sentence in a child's book, when I lived in a city that was mean and hard and ugly, as a mm. teacher with your head on, you might go. Well, you don't need two ands there, put a comma because that's words in a list. Mm -hmm. But when you listen to that in a picture book, you hear the difference between when I was young, I lived in a city that was mean, hard and ugly. And when I was in, when, sorry, when I was young, I lived in a city that was mean and hard and ugly. You hear the rhythms, the patterns, the mm. brutality of adding that word and breaking grammar rules. Yeah. That's what you want in your upper key stage too. You know, okay, you've learned all of these set rules for grammar. Now let's look at how to play with them and let's yes. play with them for effect on our reader. What does it make you think about? How does it make you feel the language and the pictures? What's making you feel that way? What's the author done? What's the illustrator done? And you can get to levels of discussion about language uh, that are really complex and really get children to think about the power that language can have. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's really important. Uh, how, how did then the power of pictures come about? So it, it seems like a bit of a passion project for you. And I love that. You can always tell when people talk about projects they've done when it's a bit of a passion project. It really is. It's a total yeah. project between myself <laughs> and um, the fantastic author illustrator, Ed Veer. Um, mm. I don't know if you know Ed, he's got mm. books like Banana, Mr. Big, his Max the Brave series. Mm -hmm. uh, and his grumpy frog book, which is which is incredible. But um, Ed and I were lucky to meet each other at an event, and we came together on a shared passion for art and visual storytelling. And it, we actually met at the time that the draft curriculum had come out, the 2014 one. Um, and we both looked at that and we saw that art had been reduced to basically less than a side of A4 for key stage one and two. Mm -hmm. and that there wasn't that mention of visual literacy in the English section um, that we both knew had such an impact both on Ed as an artist himself who uses it all of the time and on me as a teacher who'd seen um, what visual literacy can unpack with children, particularly in terms of reading comprehension, but also mm. 
that when you give children the chance to illustrate alongside the writing process, it gives them a much richer starting point for writing. It unlocks their imagination. It opens up language and ideas. And it gives them a really good, strong starting point for their writing. It's interesting, actually, because I've written some notes down. And the one thing I wrote down was just what you said in your PowerPoint, your presentation, is that the art curriculum is two pages yeah. and the, the literacy curriculum is 55 pages. <laughs> um, and I, and I, it's such a shame because, like you say, there's so many links in those curriculums. And we look at art, especially in like year two, year six, where the SATs tests are mm-hmm. and we just think oh no we must get through the literacy curriculum and I must have pieces of evidence and I think sometimes we like miss the purpose in the texts absolutely yeah and I know um it's coming on teacher talk radio on Saturday mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. afternoon show so I don't want to steal too much of <laughs> say. Um, he saw that from the other side of being a child in the classroom who was a visual learner who right. you know responded really well to visual texts and and found literacy difficult when it wasn't there and actually it's we've worked with 12 uh, author illustrators now across the six years of doing the project and it's been a recurring theme they are all those children for whom the the visual side of things unlocks it and who for whom mm. the side of it is the key to their imagination their vocabulary um, mm. and their compositional skills as writers yeah absolutely and I think I've, I don't know why but I've always been not a massive fan of word mats because I think we give a word mat and we don't have there's no meaning to words on a word mm-hmm. mat um, and I think like you say you can you look at the images and you can pull words out of images in discussion and it just gives it so much meaning and I think I'd rather have five meaningful words in a child's vocabulary than say like 10 on a word mat yeah and it you know it's it, that that other thing and you know I'm really sorry if there's a big fan of wow words out there. I <laughs> wow words as well, because yeah. that sentence that I just talked about from the opening of yeah. the premise, yeah. mm. mean, hard and ugly are kind of wow words, but actually it's the power of the word and, which would mm. never be on mm-hmm. a word mat or pyramid or yeah. you've got in your classroom that, yeah. that gives the impact in that sentence. I 100% agree with you and I spoke about it a lot. I had um, in my first year six class uh, a child that was an amazing writer but it was like everything just had like a million adjectives in it because I think sometimes they come up the school and for some reason there's focus on adjectives Um, and it's actually that to be a good writer especially in year six uh, is to be able to write in the different types of genres um, and different types of genres require a different kind of uh, word level Mm -hmm. and uh, different word choices Um, and I think to to be able to make those choices is uh, the 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 beginnings of uh, an author like you say you know you're you're absolutely right and I totally agree with you that and is not a wow word but it's the way it's used which makes it a wow word and I think the thing about being a really good author is it's about having well-developed ideas. And for some children, the barrier to developing their ideas is the constraints that we put on them in the classroom. Um, what, what we try and get to at the end of the Power of Pictures work is that children have written a complete story of their own in words and pictures. And for a lot of the children who took part in the project, that was their first time that they'd ever composed a whole story by themselves so they'd done a character description or they'd done an opening or they'd done an action paragraph but they'd never written and composed a complete story from beginning Mm. 
background. Um, and one of the things that really helped that was to think about their character from the beginning. And lots of them were saying that when they normally do that, they just think of the name and they start writing. And that's mm. where they didn't have a really well-developed character because the name meant nothing to them. Mm. Mm -hmm. Drawing a character through making meaning through their lines and patterns and thinking about things like facial expression or what situations the character were in or putting them into a setting, they got a lot more of a rounded description first of the character and then the character's world and then the potential journeys the character's story could take. So it ended up with them having really well focused and developed narratives and then they could think about the more sophisticated elements of writing like how they were going to pace it, which parts would the action go quickly in, which would they want to slow it down in because they wanted to draw the reader in, how would they resolve their story to a satisfying conclusion to the reader and these were really high level writing skills that we were pitching towards the children. Absolutely yeah would you be able to maybe talk us through the process that you went through in uh, in schools and in front of children I know there's a lot yeah. of te teachers in the room that are probably me myself included dying to know like the process of the power of pictures. So we've just gone through um, a randomised control trial as part of the uh, Education Endowment Foundation and Royal Society of Arts Learning About Culture trial. So we've been developing the model uh, for Power of Pictures, as I said, since 2014 when Ed and I first got together. And then throughout, we've been shaping the project to something that we could test at scale. And the randomised control trial was just that. Uh, so what we do is we run a course where we train the teachers. So the author illustrator works directly with the teachers uh, and with me and we have two very focused training days the first one is all about reading illustration so we teach you uh, how to read pictures we teach you the skills of visual literacy and you get to draw alongside the artist and illustrator to look at how you can communicate meaning in your own drawing work uh, we work with a focused picture book of the author illustrators as well because the idea then is that the teachers take that picture book and they use it in class with their children and the teachers pass on those skills of visual literacy and drawing to communicate meaning directly back in their classrooms. They come back for a second day of training there, which is all focused on narrative construction. So they learn directly from the author illustrator's process. Uh, the author illustrator brings examples from their sketchbooks of character design and development, of storyboarding, uh, of how to create spreads and take them from a draft to a finished version, um, and of how they talk to their editor about how to shape and redraft their writing along the way to get to that satisfying conclusion. Uh, and then again, the teachers go away again and they do exactly the same in the classroom with the kids um, and to support that we also provide them with a series of lesson plans and videos where the children get to meet the author illustrator so the author illustrator will read their book aloud they'll talk about themselves as a writer they'll do draw along videos so that the kids can follow a model of drawing before they experiment with drawing style of their own and it all builds up to the children making their own finished picture book by the end of it. Uh, and we do this across the school. So we differentiate the lesson plans that we give out for early years for key stage one and then for key stage two, so that everything's done at the right level of development for those children. Uh, and then on the last day, when we come back together just for half a day, we share the 
the finished picture book work and we talk about what we've learned that can then have um, impact on other areas of the curriculum. And one of the things that did come out of the randomized control trial report was the impact that the visual learning had on other subjects in the curriculum. Mm. They particularly picked out maths. Um, and I don't know if anyone on, on the lines teaching uh, as long as I have, but I <laughs> hold on with both hands to the National Numeracy Strategies Models and Images Pack because that visual representation of maths was the real key to unlocking some of the learning for some of my students in maths as well. Uh, and so those patterns we saw across as well, how important the visual is to shape understanding, not just in English, but in other areas as well. Yeah, I think I totally agree. And I mentioned it at the beginning that reading has an impact on every single subject, mm -hmm. especially in the primary curriculum. And like you talked about maths, I think the first subject that reading skills impact on and analytical skills and being able to comprehend is maths. Because I think nowadays, especially maths is so problem solving focused and reasoning focused and you need those reading skills and not just to be able to read the text but you need the skills that come along with it and it's um, the visual skills as well it's being able to mm, see visually a problem yes so that they can then solve it as well yes no absolutely and I think like you say it's it's such a process and it seems like you take teachers through the whole process um, and I think sometimes I know for myself last year that we kind of we know, we know our end result is that we want a piece of writing um, and we maybe get lost along the way sometimes yeah. in helping children to, to plan it out. And sometimes I think we have to think like children a little bit more. We have to think like children a little bit more and we have to think like writers. The, the, the writing yes. that we sometimes put on children in the classroom is often so far removed from what real writers actually do. Mm. And I beauty of this project and why it has shown impact is we're teaching children to write like real writers we're teaching them to illustrate like real illustrators and that's what really makes the difference and you know uh, lots of the schools have brought in the illustrators to come and work with the kids in the class mm. as well but it's that it's that triangular relationship between um, us at CLPE who can say look this will make impact on your literacy learning don't worry when you're worrying about the stresses of the key stage two SATs yes. or else uh, the author illustrator to be that creative partner to show them a real process and the children themselves taking that on yes absolutely I think I never thought of it like to think like a writer but also to think like an illustrator mm -hmm. um it's definitely important and I, I also think and I, I've tried it before is that the older kids need those hooks just as much as the younger kids do absolutely and, and they often need the confidence in drawing as well what, yes. what I have both noticed through the years that we've been working on this project is that there's a definite draw drop off in drawing confidence mm. our youngest children like the reception children you're working with now mm. are really free to express their ideas in drawing because mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. don't have the writing skills yet so drawing allows them to communicate their meaning mm -hmm. or that when kids get to about year two they mm -hmm. lose confidence in their drawing they get to start saying things like I can't draw or my drawing's not as good as yours or I don't know how to draw that and often we're reteaching those skills of creativity to children who've just lost them through the lack of exposure to it because they haven't been doing it as much as they were yeah absolutely I think that was one of the first things you said in your powerpoint was oh. um about teaching create teaching for creativity absolutely and I wonder sometimes children that possibly don't read I'm not sure if that's the only way to do it but children that don't read and that don't explore imagery early on in in not even education early on in life where do they then find that creativity and how do you teach creativity and instill it in children 
Well, yeah, and and it's again, it's something that's lost because we come yeah. into the world with only the visual. We're making sense through the visual before we've learned to understand language. We are making sense of the world around us in that way, um, and we're often kind of taking the creative approaches away from children instead mm -hmm. of building on them and developing them, yeah. um, and you know, explicitly using the kinds of approaches and practices that are going to cultivate creativity. And we lose the importance of how important that is, not just for um, our own you know advancement in the academic subjects but through wider society as well you know how much mm. money comes into the country through creative industries is, mm -hmm. is phenomenal mm. and we're not developing that creativity in our young people where are the next generation of creatives going to come from mm. uh, and that's why we focus them on actually making a product from scratch uh, by by the end of the project you know they're they're imagining, they're conceiving, and they're making a picture book of their own that wasn't there before. So they're actually learning how to be truly creative. Mm. Also, do you think it gave, did it, does it give a sense of ownership for the children? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. An accomplishment as well, because part of being a real writer is feeling the success of publication. Yes. yes. <laughs> a real writer, you can go into a shop, you can see your finished book. These uh -huh. kids store their finished books in their book corners some of the schools um made photocopies of them and sold them to the parents oh, so i love that. that sense of accomplishment of yeah. i am the writer by the end of it i am an author and this is what yeah. i've created yeah purpose is just so important and i think yeah. it's lost in some year groups just because of the way the curriculum is in this country yeah, and, and we got a sense of before in the baseline questionnaires that we went through with the kids that they felt they were doing writing for writing's sake. I'm doing writing yeah, yeah. for a task. I'm doing it yeah. for tests. You know, there was I'm doing it for my assessment folder. There were loads of kids who were just <sighs> those things and didn't know what writing is for, that writing is to communicate. It's to express ideas. It's to express thoughts and feelings. It's to give over information. You know, there are so many reasons why we write, but I don't think that's always explicit when we teach writing yeah absolutely we think of purpose and we think of like I think we talk we teach audience um what's your what's the audience that you're writing for and a lot of the times like you said as well it's I'm writing for my teacher mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I think with like the, the process that you go through with power of pictures it's giving them purpose and it's giving them it's almost like an end goal as well yeah um, absolutely and I would imagine children want to get to that end goal and they want to see their work published. Yes. Yeah. And, it, you know, they, they learned a lot along the way. Um, one of the things that surprised us, but again, didn't surprise us, was that one of the barriers to it was their... Um, their kind of nervousness to be rough on the page so mm. they, if they were doing a piece of writing it had to be right first time they had to do it in their proper pen um but opening up like author's sketchbooks and seeing how messy their first ideas are how scribbly their handwriting is how things are crossed out and reworked mm. time and time again yeah open that up for the children as well and learning how to be rough gave them such a degree of self-efficacy and you know allowed them to be much freer about about changing their ideas and editing their ideas along the way than if they'd written something out beautifully and then it was like, oh I don't really want to change it yes I think you say it's like teaching for creativity and I know whether it's a good quality for myself or not but I'm very much a creative person 
And my ideas don't come to me sitting down in front of a book, you know, they come to me like in the swimming pool or when I'm like driving in the car or unfortunately maybe 3am in the morning. And then we expect children to sit down at a desk and pour out all their ideas. And and at such a pace as well. I mean, one of the great supporters of the project has been Lauren Child um, and you'll Mm. know from her manifesto after coming to the foundling event, uh, Mm. building on what she did as laureate by saying, actually, how do we foster creativity? When Mm -hmm. are time for children to just stare out of the window when yeah. them space to really compose ideas um, to think about where we can draw from in our own lives um, and that's something that the pace of the time in the classroom doesn't often give us we feel as teachers you know if it's not happening like that we're not working at the right pace for the outcomes that we need but actually mm-hmm. one of the phrases that came through in the case studies from the um, randomized control trial evaluation was the teachers talking about this idea of slowing things down to speed things up mm-hmm. now that wasn't what they meant it felt they were working as a slower pace but in order to speed things up that slowness allowed them to go deeper and it allowed them you know I, I'm not a massive fan of the word mastery in education but it allowed them to get to a much greater depth of mastery of the skills that we were asking for in terms of reading the picture book and then using what they learned to make their own picture books yeah it's I think it's also about going through the process and using the step before to get to the step number two and I think sometimes when we focus so much around grammar for a piece of text children don't realize that everything is linked we know as teachers because if you start on day one and on day three a child is off you think oh my god they've missed step number three um but I don't think children see it like that so and they can go back and rework it over time as well you know their first draft of their picture book might not be the right language and grammar that that will be in their last one but Mm. until they've they've got it out until they've gone back until they've reread it until they've talked about it with someone else who acts as like their editor stroke response partner they're not going to get to the right language and grammar that they want because they're not going to know what effect it's having on a reading Mm. it's not them Mm, absolutely yeah I think that's really important is that I've never heard that before. Like you, what did they have, like a partner reader or like a, an editor that works with yeah. them? Yeah. Uh, and like I know as an adult that sometimes I, I want someone else to read what I've written just to, you know, is it the right vibe? Is it the right theme that I'm going for? And like we miss that with children, I guess. Absolutely. And, and that's, again, where the author illustrator comes in, because they can talk about how they work with their editor or with their art director, mm-hmm. um, who questions them, who challenges them, who gets them to think about things in a different way, who's not correcting their full stops capital letters, yeah. <laughs> telling them to put in a semicolon, but who's actually <laughs> the content of the writing so that it's the best that it can be and then when you get to actual publication then you can tidy up your full stops your punctuation mm. you can make your final decisions about language um, what we got to through through the years of working on the project and um, also filtered in from our power of poetry work was a writing process model which outlines four really key stages to the writing process the first one is that ideation that ability to come up with different ideas to have that time to think to be inspired by things you've read, things you've seen, things you've done. Uh, Then to get that process of the creation. And that's the rough, the messy, the reworking stage. And then to get to a level where you're 
happy to get someone else to respond to it. So we go from ideation to creation uh, to reflection and look at how we reflect on the writing that we've created with someone else who can act as a reader for us. Mm -hmm. And then we get to that final stage, which is publication, so that by the end of it, we do have that satisfying outcome. Now, we found that beforehand, teachers were really happy with creation and publication, but we weren't given <laughs> enough time for the ideation beforehand mm. and the reflection before we got to publishing. And those were the two most crucial stages um, that allowed children to be most successful at the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you're right. It's that ideation, but also, like you said, it's time to think. Yes, and when I do a lot of talk partners and it's like, okay, you've got 10 seconds, 10, and I'm guilty of that, you know, as a teacher. Um, hopefully I'm not alone in being guilty of that, but it, such time constraints like lead us to, to do those kinds of things. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes it's about asking ourselves the right questions. So when we come together on the last training day, we really do unpack those issues and we think about what have we learned about learning? Um, and one of the things that always comes out that we've learned about learning is the ability to slow down, yes. that we're not going to get better at writing by just doing more writing. Yes. We're going to get better at writing by following a proper process for it. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess I just wanted to end on uh, quite a key question for me. And I think it's, what do you think the purpose of a picture book is? Oh, my goodness. I don't have an <laughs> answer to that. I mean, the, the purpose of a picture book is to bring joy. I think ultimately um, it's to tell a story in a way that's different from any other form of literature. Um, and, yeah. It, it, it's to it's to make meaning it's to bring joy it's to share thoughts to share feelings to share ideas um, and to give a window into reading that isn't found in other types of text yeah absolutely I think that's a really lovely thing to end on a window into reading that you don't possibly get anywhere else um, can, I, can I just add Leanne that yeah um, of course I've been really inspired and interested in joining the power of pictures and um, we're really really lucky that Ed Veer is going to be doing another course with us at the CLP in January and February Amazing. Um, hasn't ever actually done an official course with us he did a pilot program with us um, before we got the funding uh, but I'm really excited that Ed's going to be joining us to be the author illustrator tutor uh, on our next Power of Pictures course and if anyone's interested you can find out the details for that on our website absolutely that'd be amazing if you could maybe pop the website address in the chat and um, maybe just a few more details about when it's starting I know I can see a few colleagues in the room so uh, um, that, that, that would be amazing and thank you so much you really inspired me and I, I can't wait to discuss more picture books in the classroom well, thank you so much for having me it was a real pleasure both to have you at the foundling event and for you to ask me to come on <laughs> It's always lovely to find a like-minded picture book lover. Absolutely, any time. Thank you so much. It's been really great. All right, thanks so much. Bye. Uh, let's see. I don't want to unmute the wrong person. So I hope you enjoyed that and that you got a lot from it. Um, I think just to round up, the ability to slow down the process, the writing process. And I know I wrote down ideation, creation, someone else to respond to the work, and then publication. But I think the key point there for teachers in hopefully any year group is time to think and I know that time is always a constraint in any classroom but I think 
for children time to think and discuss and, and analyze especially in picture books is so important so uh thank you mel yep it was a really great talk and i really i'm inspired so hopefully you guys are as well um just going to pop the news on and then i will be back in with mrs smith This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Schools are being told to stockpile dry and tinned foods in the event of an ongoing shortage. Food supply company ISS have issued the warning following the continued lack of HGV drivers in the UK. It is thought supply chain issues could last until February, with school kitchens being asked to have a two-week backup supply of non-perishable food products as a contingency plan. Education unions are pushing for the reinstatement of mask policies across schools. The latest statistics show that 1 in 15 children in school years 7 to 11 are estimated to have had COVID in the last seven days the highest rate of positivity for any age group. Unions feel this leaves secondary schools particularly vulnerable. No action has been taken, but the new education secretary did not rule out the return to masks in classrooms. At a conference this week, Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi said there were not enough blackhead teachers working in English schools. He said he thinks it is critical that teaching is an inclusive profession where leadership teams reflect their communities. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, 
challenge and empower your team through the MALCPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses. All MALCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. So welcome back into the studio, everybody, back here. Uh, we're going to be welcoming Mrs. Smith in, in a sec. And I, I just wanted to say that when I asked her what she would like to talk about, she did say a few different things. But I have to say the one thing that she said, which really just touched me and really is probably hopefully what she's all about. Um, and that was supporting each, each other. And I know I've spoken to a lot of teacher friends and they said that we don't know how, but she always just really hits the mark and says what everybody is thinking. So, Mrs. Smith, are you there? Uh, let's hope this works. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> so, yeah, I, like I said before, you know, when I said to you, what kind of things would you like to talk about? And you mentioned a couple of things, but supporting each other is the one thing. And I, I think that teaching can be a bit of a lonely profession sometimes because we're in classrooms, we're in front of the children, you know, a lot of the time on our own. And I think that when you post the comments that you do, you just you say the things that we're all thinking I think um, and the things that we all want to say but possibly cannot. <laughs> yes and, and I promise that I do realise I am on the radio and um, whilst I, I just have to sort of say that Mrs Smith is not me if you know what I mean. I yes. I write Mrs Smith I understand. and, and I, I am nominally her but she isn't me. She's some sort of distillation of every single member of staff I've ever yeah. worked with and met. And um, yeah, I think I think she does. I tend to refer to her in the third person, which sounds a bit sort of obnoxious. But <laughs> she, um, she she's she's just sort of become her own being rather than than me. Because when I'm standing in front of the classroom, I am the teacher of my class. Yes. I'm not Mrs. Smith. However, when I get home and I've got yeah. a cup of tea, I mean, I know most people think she has a gin or a glass of wine every night, but actually, she does have to work <laughs> in the morning. So no, yeah. she doesn't. Um, then then that's when I can sort of think and reflect. And and I, I don't actually plan what I'm going to write, which people sort of sometimes say, well, how do you, how do you know what you're going to say? I don't. It really just depends on on what's happened during the day. So if, if, if everyone's had that kind of really exhausting day where it's been a wet play all day long, then that's the kind of thing I'm going to reflect on. If someone in authority, in government, has said something utterly, utterly ridiculous <laughs> where they obviously have not a clue what it's like to be in classroom with 30 yeah. children, then I will say something about that. And and I think I'm try what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just I started off as a sort of um a brain dump for me. And mm -hmm. and that brain dump for me then I you know was shared with every, with other friends at work and from there they said actually you're quite funny. And I thought <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah. I mean, I'm reasonably funny, and then <laughs> then I sort of added on to there. And sometimes I can be quite funny, and sometimes I think you just need to be serious. And we try to get that. I try to get that balance between um, the fact that, as a child said to me today, "Is it still Thursday?" Well, yeah, it is still <laughs> Thursday, and and the um, you know, they're just the daft things that happen in school. 
Yeah, absolutely. We've got a. I, I say we have a lot of people in the studio, and I would say they're here because my show is just so amazing. But Mrs. Smith, it's. I think it's all down to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny, but I'm not Mrs. Smith. Um, <laughs> I'm funny, but I'm not Mrs. Smith. Um, yeah, a brain dump, absolutely. And like, it's we just go through so much of a thought process throughout the day that I guess brain dump is the perfect phrase for it. Um, and I think we all just like to know that. What, I, what we're going through in a classroom other teachers are going through um and I think an, an account like yours and the comments you you make reassure us of that yeah I mean you said schools are incredibly lonely I mean they can they are the most enormous institutions in some cases yes but when you are in a classroom that's the end of a corridor that people rarely walk mm. down you know they don't have to pass it to get to the photocopier or the yeah. loo or um, to get to make themselves a cup of tea, you're unlikely to see many other people yeah. apart from your very closest work colleagues during mm -hmm. the day. And your very closest work colleagues are dealing with all the same things that you're dealing with. So you're talking about them with the same things. And sometimes you can think it's only me that's feeling this mm -hmm. particular way. Mm -hmm. And given the fact that there are, however, you know, hundreds of thousands of teachers within the UK, there is bound to be at somebody else who's feeling yeah. some way. And if someone else says, do you know what, today I just wanted to open my classroom door and walk and carry on walking, yeah. then then someone else might say, actually, do you know, I felt like that too. And then actually they may not do it. What they might do is think, yeah. right, okay, fine. Yeah. And then and then go and talk to somebody. Yeah. But equally, somebody in the classroom has been in a room and, and I know that you teach EYFS, where at that point in the day, there is more than one classroom where a little nugget of poo has rolled down the <laughs> trouser leg out onto the carpet during story time and been completely ignored by everybody. So yeah. when, when you tell a story about that, somebody else will say, oh, I know, I remember when that happened to me. And then, then that's when things begin, you know, we just become more of a community, I think. Yeah, you put that down as well in the way community has evolved. And I think you on your page, you have a community of teachers that possibly don't know each other, mm. may never meet, but we're, we're together in, the, like you say, the crazy stuff that we go through in our classrooms. Yeah, and, and, and during when it was... Um when we were all in lockdown, yeah. part of the thing that I did on, on Mrs. Smith's page was create a virtual staff room because, yeah. and even we weren't able to go into schools, many people, many people were teaching from home. Some people, yeah. some of us were in, some of us weren't. Yeah. Um, but that sort of a bit, when you're in the staff room and you can just go into the staff room and say, oh my goodness me. Or you go and celebrate a success. You're going to suffer yeah. and say, do you know this child today? Yeah. This happened um, and we weren't able to. And I, I think that's quite important. And, and also sometimes you want to be somewhere where there's no judgment. So whatever mm -hmm. you feel like yeah. when you're in a school, you might find that people have, you know, previous ideas about you or about a child or anything else. Whereas if you're somewhere that's completely anonymous, then those things aren't going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. So what kind of, what was the, uh, the, the dropping pet, the, the penny dropping moment or the light bulb moment that kind of pushed you into creating the account? Um, I, I think I, mean, I, in, in a previous life, I've done some writing. So I okay. was, I've always sort of played about with, with writing and writing things down. And I've been doing this, I mean, you know, job for well over 30 years now. So I've, I've, got lots and lots of stories in my head and, and every single teacher says they should write a book. So 
this teacher <laughs> decided what she would do was I didn't actually write a book. What I thought I'd do was put together some sort of vignettes, just little bits of stories, you know, Mrs. Smith and the photocopier, Mrs. Smith and the assembly, you know, just sort of along that line. Um, and I showed them to a couple of friends who I work with and they said, oh, yeah, they're quite funny. Why don't you put them on your Facebook page? So I put them on my own personal account um, and people thought they were quite amusing. And then I thought, you know what, let's <laughs> see what happens, you know, because when, when you've had two glasses of red wine, you do daft things, don't you? So I thought, yeah. okay, I will put this together. I'll, I'll see what happens. If, if it sort of plummets out of all existence, then, well, you know, there we go. And I did, wasn't doing it for any other reason than just to have somewhere to put my writing. Um, so then I did that and one particular post went absolutely ballistic. And oh, wow. Then, yeah, I, I mean, sort of a, a million views or whatever. And then oh the, the community began to build. And from there, and, and then I just, I I was at that point just posting every so week or so, a slightly longer post. And then I thought, actually, what I need to do is just do something every single day. Yeah, so absolutely. Do you just, remember the post that it was? The one that went, uh, it was, it was uh, Mrs. Smith and the summer holidays. So it was all about, going from breaking up on that very last day to going back to school in se in the September and the whole sort of arc of being absolutely exhausted, catching a cold, the yeah. whole sort of stuff all the way through. And the fact that I'm not apologising for the fact that I have six weeks off. I know I have six weeks off. And why not call it leave rather than holidays because other people could take all their leave in one go, you know, and, and go from there really. Yeah, absolutely. How long have you done it for? I, I don't know how long you've had the account for. Um, do you know, good question. About <laughs> th three, three and a half years, something like that. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. That's amazing. One of one of the people in the studio has written one of your comments, um, Mel, and she's a PE teacher. I've had her on before. Um, looking at your qualifications, we can see you would use your subject knowledge daily in your work role. Uh, the schools say a degree in maths. You say excellent. You can be our PE coordinator. Um, <laughs> that 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 sits quite well with me because I don't know if you heard before, but yeah, I did <laughs> history. I'm still waiting for history. <laughs> um, yeah, you just touch on things that like I know for myself that they're just so true. Like, I wonder. I've written down how do you come up with your posts, but I um, guess it's just you go through it, don't you? It's just yes. Life, it's life as a teacher. It is life as a teacher. I mean, I, I was just thinking the other day, uh, we had um, we had a wow day at my school and we were, you know, we all went in dressed up for a particular historical period. Yeah. Um, so that was brilliant. I had dressed up in my particular costume, but I had managed to make myself look, I looked like the period I should be in. And I'm not going to tell you because I don't want anyone to be able to recognise it. That I had dressed to be the period I was in. But I actually ended up looking like a member of a cult. So I was dressed <laughs> and I did look very, very odd. And also we spent some of the day looking at poo from the past so we had created poo from the past so <laughs> i am uh, yeah so i am driving to my school and i left home just after seven o'clock in the morning i'm driving to school i am dressed as a member of a cult i have <laughs> two 
tin trays, which effectively looked like 60 pieces of my own poo on the front seat. And I thought, if I crash the car and die, there are going to be so many unanswered questions about what exactly I am up to at this time in the morning. And that's just teacher life, isn't it? We do things that I don't know anybody else would do as part of our job. And we think it's normal. Yeah, totally. I was having a conversation in the, in with office staff the other day about someone in my and I said, um, like, do you think people in like Canary Wharf have these kinds of conversations in their fancy offices? <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that they do. No, I'm absolutely <laughs> certain they don't because yeah. it, it's 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 not the kind of thing that you know you're talking about. Um, well, I mean, you say to some, you do say to children, um, are you a school dinner? Yes. And you look, they look yeah. at you and they just say, um, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you a packed lunch then? Uh, no, I'm yeah. me. And that's what they will be talking uh, about, won't it? So that's what, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favourite post? Like, do you have any that you... Heartfelt heart and funny? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't know. I mean, it's like saying, who is the favourite child in my class? I don't, particularly. <laughs> I, I love them all most of the time. So... Yeah. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I think the one the one that sort of kickstarted everything, the one about the um, about about the school holidays, is is one that's got a place in my heart because I just it just sort of sent Mrs Smith out to lots of people. It did. There was an awful lot of people came came back and in and were going on about the you know how dreadful it was that we had such a long holidays. But the wonderful thing about the Mrs Smith community is, if anybody decides they are going to to diss a teacher or Mrs. Smith, there is a huge pylon from all the other teachers. And please, please, please do not make a grammatical error in your complaint about teachers because that will be the end of you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gemma's just put, I imagine this is another one of your posts. uh, And I I made my comment again of, do people in Canary Wharf have these conversations? Um, A T-Rex went past my office window earlier this week. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes, I mean only in schools. And would you, yeah. you then you wouldn't bat an eyelid because you would then no. say something like, "Oh well, I suppose it's visiting," and then whichever year group it's visiting. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I just don't know that there's another profession like teaching. No, uh, and th- that's why we love it yeah, and hate absolutely. it at the same time. Yeah. What What are your favourite parts of of the job? <laughs> what do I love? I like I love when that sort of little light bulb comes on and someone looks at you and and says oh okay and then they they got it they've genuinely got it. I like it when someone's really not wanted to come into school and then they come in with a smile which is which is a favorite of mine. I like it when I walk down the corridor and I get a random hug from someone yeah. I don't teach anymore. That's yeah. that's rather lovely. Um I like the 6 weeks in the summer holidays. Don't if I'm brutal, if I'm brutally honest, I'm, fo- t- I'm fond of a Friday. Absolutely, you're talking to a room full of uh, people in the education system. <laughs> I think we, I think we're free to talk like that in this room, Mrs. Smith. Excellent. <laughs> um, absolutely, yeah. I think you also mentioned mental health, and definitely your account is uh, something that helps all of us teachers with our mental health. Just uh, I, like you say brain dump so important in this job there's so much that we hold in our heads as we're walking around the classroom and especially in the early years that I think at the end of the day you just kind of need to 
let it all out. Is that how it works for you, for your kind of mental health, the account, do you think? Yeah, I, I think it does. And I think it also, I think there is there's that sort of solidarity in the fact that knowing that it isn't just you, because I think sometimes mm. there is a... I know that the SLT don't always, it doesn't, they don't, it's, it's never done on purpose. Well, actually, that's not true. I think sometimes <laughs> it might be. But you you feel that everyone is very, you feel very accountable. That, and that's, and, and rightly so. We should be accountable for what we are doing with the children in our class. But sometimes we put unreasonable pressures on ourselves as to how we're going to move these children on. And there might be that that the barriers to that child's learning is something that at the moment we need support with to do something else before they can start to learn. So it might be that they need um, support because they are they've got a mental health issue themselves it might be a support because actually they come to school hungry and no child can can work when they're hungry so those sorts of things i think we need to to realize as well before we start beating ourselves up because we haven't got this child to standard yeah and and i think we just have to remind each other that it, as long as every well you would say it to a child as long as you are working hard and doing your best then you can't do any more. It might be that in order to do better, you need to ask for help. And, and that's all right to do that. And if you're in the right kind of supportive community, and I'm so lucky that I am, then, mm -hmm. then you can get that support. But I think there are also some people who find themselves feeling lonely and isolated and without that support. So yeah. I, I think for part of the time, that's what, and it's not me, I don't do it. It's what the people in the community do. So it might be that somebody they've taught a teaching colleague, colleague they've been with in the in another school said it's all right you know PM me do whatever and yeah. people will talk about it yeah. and I think so long as we can start conversations that's where people then begin to get support that they might need or support mm. other people yeah and I know you're right it's um someone asked me once I'm not sure who it was but so like he said when do teachers come together just to to chat about work and to, to share ideas and I just find that it just doesn't happen that often and that's why these I think like you said these teacher communities and the Mrs Smith community is just so important and I know uh, Miss T is in the studio and uh, I had her on a couple of shows ago and she's part of the and Bev as well we're part of the uh, there's a group on Facebook a gift exchange group and it's all people in education and again that's like another little teacher community and I think all those little teacher communities, even though we don't work in the same schools and we might all have different kind of positions within education, we're all in the same education boat at the end of the day. Um, and, it, and it's nice to feel like you're in kind of an education community as well. Yeah, although I think my, Mr. Smith would dispute that because whenever <laughs> we go out for dinner and or with and, and there happens to be a friend there who happens to be in education, he just says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to sit next to you because you're going to talk about school all day long. And I say, no, we won't. And then after about two minutes and half a glass of wine, of course we do. Yes. But I think that's because... Um, you're not within you're talking to someone maybe from a, you're right from another school from another place so yeah. you get the chance to actually sort of to chat and compare because schools can be quite insular and I think yes. you, you do find that everyone yeah. tends to be inward facing most of the time because you're looking at your children and your school and how you can do the best for your community mm -hmm. and whilst we realise we're part of a bigger community our school is where we are mm -hmm. even if you're a member of a mat or, or anything else it's still that's where you're looking and there is a, a need I think sometimes 
to, to turn and face in the opposite direction and actually look out into the, the wide world because I think sometimes we need to just take a break from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, uh, Annie Girl, let us know if you're high school or primary, Annie, would love to know. Uh, so definitely think the teacher online communities make such a difference to my mental well-being. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's right. And also, there's sort of there isn't there's a, a lack of judgment, and there's a sort of everyone's in there for for the same particular reason. No one's there to score points. No. Everyone's there just to either to learn or or to support. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that support is so important in our profession, especially after all the lockdowns that we went through. Yeah, and we were at work every single day just saying yeah no absolutely don't don't we all know it in the studio um and I actually so Annie's primary um so I'm primary and I I always wonder how our high school colleagues are are getting on with things um do you know if you have any high school colleagues in the Mrs Smith community oh yeah there are definitely and there are there are FE and there are um also a few university lecturers yes so there's people from all over and there's people from all over the world which blows my mind actually I have to say it it would blow year six's mind if they knew quite how many followers me <laughs> as an actual person had I think I think they would actually just you know they would too much too much you really so you know you're too yeah. cool for school absolutely uh, they would they would not believe that was absolutely possible with me no amazing but how so yeah they... go on sorry no I think it's just it's 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 tends to be sort of uh, across the phases from from nursery and actually lots of people who are who are associated with education even if it's just having been to school so you know lots of people yeah no I I think it's amazing because like you say we're insular in our schools but we're also like what I what I missed actually during the covid years when I was in year six is a visit to a high school I've always really wanted to know what goes on in year seven because I think as teachers we're kind of missing that link with our year seven colleagues um, it's interesting to, to hear that you have a mixture of different levels of educators and uh, yeah. different different people from the education industry in your community. Do you think that makes it what it is? Yes, I mean, I, I think, I, and I also think that that you know, having a, a, a wet Thursday just before a full moon affects every single person. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether you are teaching, um, you know. French last period on a Friday or whether you are playing outside in the mud kitchen it absolutely doesn't matter what the the children are probably going to be less than their best on a day like that that's hilarious I never I've never thought about it like that that's uh that's a good way to put it isn't it um hopefully (laughs) no absolutely we don't I mean children are children And, and as adults as well like if you sit through like a two three hour conference or uninspiring CPD and then you come out of it and you think oh god like I can't go back into that and I guess it, it's the same all over in, in any yeah. kind of education settings so I think it's amazing that you're able to bring all those kind of people together yeah um, yeah I'm, I'm astonished by it as well that it's me doing that yes I think it's a uh, because I always feel a bit guilty sometimes to say like I'm so exhausted you know especially when the term's only begun but then I go to your account and can see things that just like lighten the mood a little bit when you're feeling that way yeah but I think I think I think people don't actually realize quite how full on the day is so for today I got to school at you know 10 past seven and I had 
a meeting at lunchtime and then I had 10 minutes to eat my lunch so I had indigestion yeah. for the whole afternoon <laughs> and then another meeting after school and then you know so yeah that's the way it is and whereas other people can walk to the water cooler can go make themselves a cup of coffee can have a wee whenever yeah. they fancy oh my um, some people have all the luck yeah and you know <laughs> what what yeah. privilege it is to be able to pee when you yeah. fancy having a pee <laughs> yeah I, I know like the reason uh Zai, who's in the sheet miss t uh, it showed me that you put your question on asking if you could do something different and the post is um, as we begin to return to some semblance of normality Mrs Smith is wondering what she could do in addition to what she does now now I, I know you were asking the question but am I right to sense a bit of sarcasm in there yeah 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 I mean <laughs> I, I do I what I'm what I'm thinking of is whether I, yeah, Miss Mrs. Smith does what she does but is there anything else no I mean you know it's that I did put on a post about you know, when SLT or someone will come and say, have you got a minute? And I thought, well, yes. I might have one a week next Tuesday. Yeah. I was saving that for a moment's peace. There is, there is no time. No. no. And no one has time. And whether, wherever, whether you are leading the school or whether you are a, you know, what they call it, bog standard class teacher. Yeah. I hate to quote my dad, and I've done this before, but he always said to me, whenever you want to speak to someone, never say, are you busy at the moment? because <laughs> uh, it'll say yes <laughs> as a teacher it's like well uh, yes always <laughs> I've got I'm doing something and then I've got something in the back of my mind to do that again to do that next and something in the middle of my mind I've got to do that as well so uh, once a friend said to me so have you finished all your work I'm like what does that question mean to a teacher um <laughs> I'm not sure we ever finish our work. I feel like we're on hamster wheels, some of us. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think to-do lists are just, yes. well, no. I mean, they're just things yeah. to beat yourself up about. So yeah. I, I do have a to-do list. Right. Um, and I, well, I tend to just sort of add to it. So it's a whole book full of things that I haven't done. And then I'll just think, oh, well, then I'll think probably a rude word, which I won't say on the radio. And then <laughs> I'll go and do something else. Yeah. But, and I, but I think you should be able to give yourself permission to say, do you know what? I'm not getting all that done this evening. I am going to stop. Yeah. Sometimes my brain stops. I don't know about anyone else in the room, but <laughs> sometimes my brain stops and you have to listen to your brain. Um, so yeah, and, and actually sometimes physically your body, because yeah. I'm sure we won't have eaten enough in the day or certainly not yeah. eaten the right kind of things in the day. My, yes. my diet today has consisted of a sausage roll and jelly beans. Oh, and God. then. Yeah, well, that's all right. Well, the children and I, the children and I had a wonderful afternoon because they were as high as me, so that was fine. We, we had a wonderful time. Um, and we don't hydrate ourselves well enough. We can, is, we say to the children, yeah. you need to, and we don't hydrate ourselves because we can't have a wee. Yeah. And then we don't actually stop, and yeah. we probably haven't talked through what we need to do. And I'm really selling the profession here, but mm. you know that that's we need to learn that actually we have to prioritise ourselves occasionally because if we don't, then we won't be there for the children and that's really yeah. what we want to be. And then we will beat ourselves up because we don't get into school, so, you know. Yeah. I have to say, like you said, really advertising the profession and it it, <laughs> it, 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 may, it makes me think of those adverts that you see. and They're not on so much anymore, but about get into teaching, it's amazing. And I think there is no way those are real teachers in those adverts because if they were, they'd be saying what you and I, what you're, what you're saying and what the rest of us think. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I, I absolutely, I absolutely <laughs> adore my job. I love yes, it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And yeah. I love my class and they are fabulous. And they, mm. they are like getting on the world's scariest roller coaster and yeah. leaving your strap undone. But they are, you know, and it's fab. But there are some times when you have got to, if you want to be in that profession, you have got to just sort of take a look. No, and it's it's exhausting and it's wonderful yeah. and it's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. We, we were doing bass lines today and you just got like, in my head, I just got to laugh sometimes because what else can you do? <laughs> I think that that's where we need accounts like Mrs. Smith because what else can you do but have a little giggle in your head sometimes? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you just have to think, what is going to happen to this data? That's what that's what makes me think, what what are we going to do with this? What is yeah. the point of doing this? Because yeah. if all I'm doing is filling this in in order to fill this in so someone later on can fill something else in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, there we go. We're te teachers and administrators that we are. Um, we've got another comment from Annie Gum. I, I don't know if it's one of your comments or probably from her, and we've all been through this. So full moon, wet play or a wasp in the classroom, totally mess up your day. I actually, I hope you don't mind, Daddy, but could I edit it? And instead of having or, just put an and in there. Full moon, wet plate, and a wasp in the classroom. Um, totally mess up your day. And it's probably the day you're having your observation. Because yeah. um, <laughs> uh, I think we're, we're in an all or nothing profession. Yes, I had I did have a pigeon once. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that was good fun. It's Daddy Longlegs at the moment. We've got Daddy Longlegs, so they are all over the place, flying yeah. in and out of the window. Yeah, that's we can right, have a global right. pandemic and they will be fine. One Daddy Longlegs and the world yes. is uh, up in that, here. That's where you know that teachers are very good actors and actresses because if a Daddy Longleg came into my house, I would not be very happy, but in the classroom I'm very calm and collected if there's a bug inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Annie said, yeah, she's had all three. I've had a snake in our outside area. Wow. Wonderful. No. <laughs> what country do you teach in? <laughs> I shall not be coming to that country. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I just wanted to end on, uh, I don't know if you don't mind me asking, but why you chose to kind of do it anonymously? Because I know when I started my Twitter account, I thought, let me just do it anonymously so I can kind of post my ideas and my opinions and nobody will know it's my opinion when I step back out into the real world. Um, I did it anonymously because, as I said at the beginning, I am her, but she's not me. So, um, yeah. Also, do you know what? There is something absolutely freeing and really percussive mm. about using extraordinarily rude words because <laughs> some, sometimes you just want to use that word yeah and if it was me under my name mm -hmm. doing that mm -hmm. every single child in year six could find me yeah <laughs> so uh, that's not the example I want to set and I, yeah. I you know and children know that adults would use a rude word and mm -hmm. that's fine but I want to be that supportive person who just says, do you know what, I've had this kind of day today. And other people can go, me too. And there's a, there's a sort of collaborative feeling that it's either been wonderful or we're tired and she just likes to use the word. And mostly it was applied to Gavin Williamson. And I'm really sad he's gone because our latest incumbent seems sadly 
to be keeping his finger on the pulse and being reasonably sensible about it. And I miss <laughs> Gavin and his photos because he was excellent fodder for Mrs. Smith. <laughs> he was inspiration. <laughs> he was. I mean, I only had to. He only had to open his mouth, and I knew that probably within the next fifteen minutes, I would have something to say. <laughs> Amazing. So I think. Uh... To, to, to end on that, I can bring us back around to what Charlotte was talking about in that ideation. So uh, you, you didn't need time to think when we had Gavin Williamson. No. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I don't have, I don't think and I don't plan, apart from perhaps things like World Mental Health Day, when it was Black History Month, those sorts of things I, I do punctuate Mrs. Smith with. Yes, yeah, saw that. Yeah. And, and, I, but I, and I don't, but I, even then, I, I don't. I tend to sit down, I tend to do that sort of brain dump, I then check my punctuation and my spelling, and then, <laughs> then because I, honestly, life is just not worth living if I don't, and then post and then I let it happen because that's actually probably the most honest. If I really curated it and thought about it, it yeah. wouldn't be true to her and it wouldn't be yeah. true to the teaching profession that she's sort of, I won't say representing because that really is a bit much, but she sort of, I don't know, she sort of is is trying to be part of. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good note to end on. And I know you said no, but I really do think you represent a lot of the teaching community. And uh, hopefully I can say it from all of everyone listening in the studio. And thank you from all the teachers that you give a giggle to at the end of the day. I think we all uh, we all need it sometimes. So thank you very much. And thank you for coming to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That's all right. You're welcome. And uh, I won't say I will see you, but I will read you on Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much. And have an amazing rest of the week. Thanks so much. Bye. So I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you found the beginning interesting and that we can take some time and give our children some time to think and to become uh, creative thinkers and analytical thinkers. Uh, and not just word readers, but also image readers. Uh, you're welcome, Annie. Thanks for coming in and listening. And also, um, hope you enjoyed Mrs. Smith and uh, enjoy being part of the Mrs. Smith community. And I know there are a lot of teacher communities out there, so uh, we aren't alone, even though sometimes we are alone in front of a group of amazing children. And you all do an amazing job. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a lovely day tomorrow. And I'm sure Mrs. Smith will always be there to give us a bit of a laugh. So thank you for joining me. And I will be back next week at the same time. Have a lovely rest of the week, everybody. And see you later. Bye bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.